Hi everyone, welcome to the B2B Game Changers podcast. I am your host, Lee Hackett. B2B Game Changers is the result of my hunger to help companies of all shapes and sizes unlock the value in their business. This podcast is my attempt to synthesize what I have learned in the process of working with some of the most successful companies and individuals in the world. We'll be featuring leaders from across the world to discuss the forces, opportunities, and challenges that are shaping the future of sales and marketing. My guests this week are Julia Voskova, VP of Marketing at SoftChoice. SoftChoice is one of the largest IT solution in North America, a really fast-growing business. Uh, I've knew Julia for a while, and you know she's a marketer who's really passionate about innovation, uh, really understanding the new opportunities to sell uh, in digital. So, uh, you know, I'm really excited about um, you know what she's going to bring to this episode. So, my second guest is Richard Parker, MD and institutional head of marketing for EMEA and APAC at State Street Bank. State Street Bank need no introduction. One of the oldest banks in the world, and Richard is a seasoned professional in really connecting the business requirements and the business goals to marketing to achieve that growth. My third guest and final guest is Fraser McNaughton. Fraser is Chief Marketing Officer at Grant Thornton. Grant Thornton, one of the largest professional service firms in the world. Uh, Fraser is Chief Marketing Officer in Australia. And he really brings business development and modern, modern marketing together um, you know, there's someone who really does understand how those two things need to work in sync to get a great result. So the purpose of this episode was I thought it'd be really interesting, and it certainly turned out that way, to explore some top- topics with three of the probably the you know, most talented and experienced marketing executives that I know globally, and to do this in three different industries, three different regions, and to talk about the future of marketing and talk about topics such as um, the challenges that have recently faced marketing uh, with COVID and, and other challenges, and you know, and how they dealt with that with their teams, how they operated, the different ways of operating. Uh, we touched on things like togetherness, and you know, can that be kept? Um, post the crisis, which is really interesting and something I'm uh, particularly passionate about. We also talked about really practical things like what's working, what's not. Uh, Julia touches on virtual events and what Soft Choice are doing in North America. We even talked about budgets. So I think this is going to be an episode that adds a ton of value. If you're in marketing or sales, if you're in one of these industries, um, you're going to find this really interesting. And I've, as always, you know, really detailed show notes. And we're going to also create a, uh, a short guide summarizing the, the kind of tips and tricks that these super talented individuals uh, come across on the, po- on the podcast. So, so enjoy and make sure you use that content and, uh, and hopefully it, it provides a lot of value. So look, as per my style, I think to go forward, you have to go a little bit backwards. And certainly uh, when I was talking to you all at the beginning of this year about 2020, I don't think COVID was in 
the kind of priority list uh, for any of us. So I thought an interesting topic to start with was when COVID happens, and I think, Julia, you and I, I was actually with you quite early on in the crisis. I think I left Toronto to come back to London. I think it was about a week before lockdown. But what were the kind of challenges that your teams faced going into lockdown from a marketing perspective? Because, you know, each of your business would operate differently. But what were the what were the kind of challenges that you faced? Yeah, you're right. You just reminded me. I forgot that you were there just a week before. It was in March and we were discussing what was happening in the UK. You know, I think the first one, the problem for us was, or the challenge was, um, how do we even keep everybody connected? I have a large marketing team. And at first it's like, how are we going to be working remotely? I think is everybody else, right? But luckily we were able to figure it out pretty quickly because we are in technology sector and that's what we do for our clients. And I'd say that the most most important and the biggest uh, challenge for us was really pivoting everything, pivoting our entire marketing, our entire strategy in a matter of two, three weeks, you know, and just uh, getting into the completely different way of marketing, completely different way of reaching out to our customers and enabling sales. So that was the biggest challenge for us. Yeah, no, definitely. And yeah, I don't think when we were having dinner in Toronto, I definitely don't think it was going to turn out like it did. Richard, yourself, what were your challenges and what were the challenges that you faced? Because obviously you've got a team right across Amir, yeah? Yeah, no, I've got a team across Amir and, and APAC. So it was a challenge first fold for the team to adapt to working remotely. The London team is very close and it's a very interactive team. So we're, we're normally very hands-on on a day-to-day basis and also with our with our sales partners as well. So that was kind of a big change that we had to make. But then I think secondly, it was really almost turning off the marketing programs that we had in market because it was a crisis like no other, because it was a, you know, it was a humanitarian crisis. It was inappropriate to be doing some of the marketing activity that we were doing. And we almost had to switch to become a communications team overnight to inform our clients and prospects of what we were thinking about the markets how things were going to pan out, the impact on their investments as a kind of a first order priority. So it was going back to basics of making sure that we're handholding the client base and, and continuing to build that trust. You know, a complete 180 for the team. And that was almost, you know, almost overnight to do that. No, absolutely. I think that was that's an interesting topic I want to kind of explore more on in terms of the kind of themes and content and tactics either went dark or changed, but Fraser, thanks for joining us from Sydney. So what's your what was your outlook there? Probably much the same to Richards, to be honest. I'll never forget because it happened to fall on the day of my 10-year anniversary with my wife. Um, and we were down in Tasmania uh, for celebrations and all of a sudden, boom, uh, I was on the phone for 14 hours trying to work out what we were going to do. And we as a company moved really quickly to get our people safe first and, and make a decision in closing offices. And then very similar to Richard, it was away from doing what we were doing in terms of trying to win new business. It was more about, okay, client experience, client first. How do we help our clients navigate the complexities of the information that's coming in right now? Um, and taking away probably some of the stresses and strains that they were feeling and how do they cut through and get to the information that matters most. And honestly, for the first, you know, six, seven, eight weeks, that's all we were doing. We were taking government announcements and simplify them for the benefit of our clients. Absolutely. One of the things that I'm interested in was, you know, Julia, I know you've got a very big team 
and the majority of those are located on one site or certainly one campus in Toronto. Richard, I know your team's spread and Fraser, I know your team's predominantly in Australia. What were operations like? Because you know that shift from particularly creative teams operating in a particular way, all being in the same room, you know, a process of putting kind of campaigns or content together. Was that more difficult or was it kind of easier because of everyone kind of had to do it? Everyone knew we had that we had to get this right. We need to deliver the content. It needs to be good. You know, what was the operations like and the, and the challenges that come with that? From my perspective, for the actual team, it was actually relatively straightforward because I've got a, a relatively thin team that's spread, that's kind of spread globally. So we're used to having a lot of a lot of contact on the on the phone, less so video conference, but but certainly on the phone. So that was that was easier. I think the biggest impact was having our business partners working remotely as well. So we're, so we're very much used to working with local stakeholders and understanding intrinsically what they want from us. All of a sudden, they've kind of they, they've disappeared. And so changing that relationship and making sure that the, that the team stayed connected to, the, to those stakeholders and, and other business leaders, both in sales, and in our business, in investments, was key. And that was difficult as well, because they were being crushed by the client side in terms of incoming inquiries, incoming inquiries, whereas we're kind of almost hassling them from our side saying, what do you want? What do you need? And it's a, you know, so for them to find the time to then interact with us, to give us enough intelligence to then go away and do something in the early couple of weeks was challenging. Over time, it sounds like a little bit like Fraser, we got a process in place where we effectively had kind of a weekly webinar for our whole client base and a weekly communication cycle that kind of overcame that um, to a certain extent. Well, I wouldn't say I was astounded. I, I kind of knew that, that our team would react the way they reacted and, and the way they reacted was it was all hands on deck. There was no panic. It was, you know, it's as if a, a crisis infused them, which I think, quite frankly, marketing teams, BD teams around the world, uh, you know, perform better in times of pressure and crisis. And absolutely no doubt for the majority of us, we'll, we'll never work through a crisis like this again. However, what really got me uh, from a professional services point of view was how quickly our partners and, if you like, the, the client facing side of the business reacted to work in tandem with us. You know, normally that can be a struggle. Normally we are pushing as a marketing team to make things happen. But all through this period, just how together we as a marketing team, BD team and our partners uh, have worked seamlessly for the benefit of our clients has just been, it's, it's actually been really inspiring. You know, the trick is for us now is how do we maintain that momentum as we trickle into what will become, dare I say it, that horrible phrase, the new normal. The momentum is the, is the piece for, for leaders, I reckon, is, is the challenge going forward. Yeah, no, definitely. And do do you think that attitude, you know, that kind of togetherness, because I, I definitely resonates with me. Do you think that can be maintained? Because from a human aspect, what I noticed, even in our own business and talking to you guys and other customers, and that's the there's lots to be learned here. But the, that togetherness and everyone kind of dropped the ego. Let's you keep on topic in terms of the sales and marketing kind of things that go on. Do you think once we do get back to a new normal and all the kind of pressures of life and 
uh, recessions and all of these kind of kick in, do you think those things will come back or do you think there's a possibility we can maintain some of that goodness that, that we got? I certainly hope that we maintain that. I think we had a very similar experience to Fraser's, whereas the sales and marketing really got very quickly, much better aligned, quicker coming together. And I think it was all about what are we doing for the customers? You know, it wasn't about selling. It was about helping. Right. And what do we have in our kit bag? And luckily, we're in the in the area of uh, uh, technology where this was very necessary to set up, to help people set up uh, remote work. And there was a lot of opportunity to help, right? And so then there wasn't, what is sales and doing? What is marketing doing? It was, what are we doing together? So I certainly hope that uh, that is going to stay. At least it helped uh, break some barriers between sales and marketing. And I think going into the future, I hope the future is uh, coming soon without uh, the crisis and the... <laughs> And COVID-19, but I think that's going to only help unite sales and marketing. Fraser? I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think probably the question I would ask and reversely would be if for some reason we see it going back the way, why is that happening? Quite frankly, from where we've got to, our clients are, are, are now demanding a different kind of approach. You know, I, I'm getting asked on a daily basis, I need to pick up the phone to a client or a prospect, you know, how do I do that in the new virtual environment? What do I talk to them about and this is where the power of marketing and and having those insights and the data become really to the fore because in a virtual environment people have less time they don't have time for a coffee catch up or just a chat They, they want to engage with you in something that's generally meaningful and what we're talking about here is true client experience something that i think companies in the past have pandered to it's been a phrase it's been something they feel they've had to do to tick a box. Now we're talking in, in, in real life now about what true client experience means. And true client experience means that you'll engage with clients and with prospects on things that interest them at the right time. And to do that, you need the technology, you need the insights and the data to tell you when that is the right time and what are the things you should be speaking about. That's client experience. And I'm really hoping that for us to get that, uh, it's easy enough, but for the rest of the business that, that take a longer time to get there, and that's fair enough, well, we've got to get there quicker for the benefit of clients because there's companies out there that do it really well and they'll steal a march. And unless you're there, well, you're not. I think, Julie, you said it, and we're all kind of articulating it in different ways. I know, Richard, you, the shift was how do we help? Now, I think the, you know, for me, marketing is about helping our customers get the jobs done that they need to get done, right? So helping them be better. That's what marketing is or certainly should be. And COVID kind of focused that, you know, even when I, the content that I absorb, whether it be from you guys or other businesses, I could see the change. I could see it being from actually just talking about us and what we're doing well and what the product is and how good it is actually to how can we help you? And I really, really hope that sticks. I have my doubts, if I'm honest, but I really, really hope that does stick. Richard, your thoughts? I'm totally on side with that. I think traditionally in, in my industry with, you know, with kind of B2B financial products, it's very much been kind of a relationship sell. And like Fraser was saying, it's, you know, we'll meet for a coffee, we'll meet for a chat, we'll go to physical events and conferences and get together and have a 
and have a beer and then and then talk about kind of what your what your needs are and and to a certain extent you know marketing although marketing facilitates a lot of that marketing is kind of you know frozen out a little bit from that from that discussion over what the real needs are now it's a different environment and it's virtual and you've got to pick up the phone and have a conversation it's a bit more challenging it is what are you going to say what are those what are those client concerns that you're going to connect on to to complete that that client experience and and, and they need something they, they they need that bit of content they need that facilitated either via via a webinar or, or digitally so i think some of that is, has changed for the better i'm i'm with you in terms of whether it will last for the medium to long term i think elements of it will and i think it's incumbent on us over the next kind of you know 3 6 months to make sure that we kind of institutionalize that as much as possible and also get the metrics in place to actually prove how how successful it can be in terms of working in this way rather than sliding back into that kind of the relationship sale and, and events being almost the most important part of the mix um which it was in my industry and, and I'm you know I'm kind of blessed at the moment that they're gone in actual fact because we can move on and focus on on other parts of the mix and prove their value to sales and 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 sell that in you know my question would be or more of a, a statement i guess is that this is a this is a huge compelling event that united everybody right because in our industry um lee you know you're saying that there is a lot of uh, kind of like here is what we do and here is what we can help you with we're always looking for a compelling event and in normal world everybody is at different stages of their maturity different stages of what they need different stages of technology implementations and so it's always hard to find that one compelling event and i think with covid it was actually it's easier to find that compelling event right everybody is in the same state of mind and so that's why i think you see that a lot of the content that is coming out from you know us or from anybody is really focused on helping people with the immediate need because we all know what the immediate need is and so you know i'm thinking ahead and uh, how do we keep that going in terms of always being in that state of thinking ahead and being relevant to the customer right and is that going to be harder when this one major compelling event is gone i think it will be but through all of our tactics whether it's events or other tactics you know we need to kind of keep that in mind and it's up to us as richard is saying right but i think it's going to be harder julia it's it's really interesting because this is something we're grappling with as well in australia the compelling event was covid i'm lucky to live in a country that seems to have handled it incredibly well compared to other countries in the world you know we had 104 deaths total i mean it's tragic but at the same time when you look elsewhere especially the country i come from uh, which is a small country and there's 5000 deaths you know, we've got a country that's handled it really well and and what we're finding is what we were initially doing was what we call crisis communications how we're helping clients through a crisis and you mentioned the word pivot before which you're hearing more and more which is an interesting word because it's it's marketing very quickly we're pivoting to something else uh, and Australia we're pivoting away from covid to pivot to recession and how are we dealing with the recession that we now find ourselves in 
which is very different. It's, it's a result of COVID, but it's a very different uh, set of needs. It's a very different conversation. And at that point, and now we're thinking about, okay, well, yeah, clients first, prospects first. What are they suffering from? What are their issues? But at the same time, how do we align our offerings with what they need? So it's not a hard sell, but it's actually providing value through conversations. And that's a pivot. We'll, we'll be going through this period and then it's beyond recession because hopefully the recession in Australia is not going to last long. So what does that mean? And then we're pivoting yet again. So, geez, it's, it's normally I, I would like to think professional services marketing. We have longer periods of time to do different campaigns. We're now working on something that can change in an absolute heartbeat over the over the, the coming days and weeks and months. Yeah, we had uh, over the course of what's in March, three months, a number of different campaigns coming out because, uh, you know, we designed this model, uh, kind of a four-phase model that thinks about business continuity, stability, efficiency, and then recovery. And this is what everybody, all organizations are going through what you're talking about, right? So at first, they were like, how do I just stabilize my business? How do I ensure the continuity of my operations? And then everybody started to think, okay, recession is coming. I need to save money. And how do we take cost out of business? And now everybody is talking about, well, getting back to normal, but normal is no longer the normal, right? It's the next normal that everybody needs to design and build for themselves. And it's accelerating the digital transformation that organizations have been going through. I think, you know, we all notice how if you digitize your business, then this is where you really survive, right? And many organizations aren't surviving, unfortunately. And so for all of that, we had to launch different content, different sales enablement, different campaigns, different communication. And so to your point, it's like it's literally every second week, you know, pivoting and trying to deliver that relevancy to the market. Do you think in terms of the way a possible, you know, strategy to adopt to cover that off, right? Because, you know, we've had COVID, you know, we've also had the diversity issues, you know, Black Lives Matter and all of these quite difficult topics to handle and communicate on. And I want to touch on internal comms as well in, in, in a second, but you know the importance of having a narrative, an arc to that approach in terms of content, because it kind of comes back to the priorities are this month, we have to do this number, right? So let's actually you know just get after that particular campaign where we could try as marketeers in terms of just you know lay out that journey for the customer lay out that narrative for the customer. And it's a way of kind of trying to cope with those compelling events as we go through. So it's a consistent approach. Any thoughts on that, Julia? Well, from the customer journey perspective, like I was saying, you know, we were thinking with COVID, what are the most compelling and pressing needs of organizations? Literally in the moment, like what are they going to be now and what are they going to be in the next three months? And, uh, it's hard from the executional perspective to be maintaining that constant relevancy, I would say, because uh, of, you know, we are operating across the US and Canada and we have 600 salespeople across the organization and 300 of which are actually on the phone, right? And now people buy differently. Now everybody's on the phone <laughs> and on video. And so catering to the entire customer journey, I'd say it's still a challenge. 
And so for us, thinking around the different phases that different organizations are in, or, you know, I think now sort of like personas, how from the marketing perspective, you think, okay, who are the personas you're selling? What are they worried about? And then, you know, the different industries, the different segments you're selling, what they're worried about. I think it's kind of all blended right now. There is a bit more of a mass marketing for us than very, very targeted marketing because we kind of feel that everybody's feeling the same pain and really lining up those phases and help, and trying to understand and helping sales understand where their customers are, whether they're trying to find ways still to be stabilizing their operations or saving money or they're continuing on digital path and digital transformation and helping them really bring the right content, the right tools, the right conversations to the forefront. Definitely. Having that joined up approach, you know, from what marketing are talking about in terms of your comms, but also what then what the sales team and what the sales narrative is, which is for me also, you know, massively important. But Fraser, Richard, any comments on that? Post kind of the crisis period, I think it's interesting that all three industries have done a done almost a similar thing. You know, there was a there was a crisis period that was that was all about communication and maintaining that trust, and then trying to think about what's the process you now go through to kind of almost get back on the horse and start talking about what's next. So we've had you know we, we've had a good focus on what's next in you know after the market drawdown. So where where should investors be looking, and and some core themes. But but I also think that where we've got we've had huge interest in things where the world doesn't stop, and by that I mean when there's regulatory changes that are forcing our clients' hand in something. And so we've had there's some regulatory change in the in the US around pensions, and that was hugely engaging for our clients because although COVID happened, that piece of legislation being implemented didn't stop. So, so there was still a need to go out and engage clients on that. And that's happening as well in Europe now around kind of climate and climate investing and some of the regulatory change there. So, so it's almost as if the crisis is still, is still ongoing, but people are almost going back to that normal kind of day job and saying, actually, what's, what's impacting us from a regulatory perspective, from an investments perspective, where are our, where's our return profile? And so it's that kind of slightly awkward business as usual, but obviously it's not it's not usual by any stretch of the imagination. So I think that's that's one of the things we're we're coming to grips with. And as you get kind of deeper and deeper into the crisis, and I think we had this in finance with the global financial crisis, that the crisis itself becomes the you know becomes the, the, the normality, and it's ongoing. And who knows how long this is going to run for, or the recession is going to run for kind of post-COVID. The challenge for me is, I mean, you were talking about internal comms and that that balance of content that is focused on crisis to what you offer and that can support clients, but also what companies stand for. You know, we're in a period, in my opinion, that's incredible, quite frankly, where we are, we're seeing Black Lives Matter. We're seeing other people who feel aggrieved about certain opinions that they have come to the fore. You know, people have very strong opinions in certain companies, not my industry, thankfully, but other industries are having to react to that, you know, by changing the names of the products, for example. But we all have to be really cognizant of it and working out when you've got thin marketing teams and thin budgets, you know, what is it you invest in during these periods? You know, are you investing in bringing dollars through the door? Are you investing in making sure your brand is seen in the right way? 
how you invested in making sure your people feel proud of your brand. It's a challenge and it's going to be a bigger challenge for organisations over the next oh, 24, 36, five years, 10 years time. That, that, that's just bigger because budgets aren't going to go up. That's, that's quite clearly. It's finding the balance. And, and I think for me as a, as a marketing leader, that's something that you know, is well in my mind at the moment about how you strike that balance. And I don't have the answer. We're definitely going to come on to budgets because that's definitely one we should talk about. And, 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 and I think interested to talk around tactics but you think, you know, what I want to know from you guys is what's working. I'm sure it's all virtual and, you know, what's working in your business and, and you know, the people who listen to this podcast, what can they learn from that? So the internal comms piece, Richard, Julia, any thoughts on that in terms of how you handled it and how you're going to handle it going forward? Yeah. So from the internal communications perspective, we are in crisis mode. Right. And uh, my team also um, manages internal comms and uh, it was a it was a completely different beast and sort of uh, jumping right away into maintaining, continuing to maintain our culture uh, and employee engagement in a very different way when everybody is working remotely. It's an organization of, uh, again, expanding across the U.S. and Canada. Now we're in such unprecedented times, right? It's COVID, but also the social crisis. And so we, you know, we did many different things really from the get-go around um, how do we um, encourage open and transparent communication. So, you know, we typically run the monthly um, Orange Nation Live, we we call them, where it's um, executives and uh, other uh, people around the organization share the what's happening. And so we just, uh, we made those communications more frequent. Um, so the Orange Nation Lives continue to introduce no Orange, Orange Nation Connect ran by different teams on a weekly basis. We introduced different social events that would be happening during the day and then also at night, you know, because one of the considerations that we had was that it's hard for people to operate at home, you know, like I have two kids at home and it's always the struggle is that, uh, hey, you know, it's, it's difficult to work during the day with all the other things happening at home. But the reality is that a lot of people live alone. And uh, in the lockdown, right, they have nothing to do at home at night. So we introduce uh, virtual comedy shows and virtual talent shows and virtual, uh, you know, wine tasting and other things to support uh, the employees through this hard time. And because, you know, software is for us, it's uh, um, organizational culture is so important. You know, it is important for everybody, all organizations. But for us, it's uh, uh, you know, we take care of each other and uh, we take care of our employees first. Like that's, those are our values. And so thinking about how we can do it more effectively was was super important for us, for sure. Definitely. And, that, and I've seen some of those things as well. So I've seen some of those things from your virtual talent shows and stuff like that. It was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know all these people had all the talents. You know, even on my team, we didn't... It was just, it was, it's amazing actually what you learn because of the frequency of communication, how you, you know, you see what people can do now. You learn so much more on the personal level. Did I not tell you that at the end of this podcast, that's what we're going to do? Okay. That's <laughs> <not> it. <laughs> uh, Richard, sorry. Building on that, I don't have direct responsibility for, for any internal communications, but I think it really gave the opportunity for, for companies to just connect in a different way with their employees because normally internal communications can tend to be a little bit dry around 
you know, org announcements and business strategy and 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 all of that stuff, which is which is still kind of vitally important. But I think we using that pivot word again, we we kind of pivoted from an internal comms perspective, and it was very much about the welfare of the of the employee and how they were getting on and making sure that they were talking to their manager, taking time out of their day, acknowledging the challenges of having you know children children at home, et cetera, et cetera. So it was so it was much much more of a kind of a caring internal comms message that, that came through. And I think it was also a great leveler to see, you know, to see some of our executives just wearing kind of, you know, open neck tops and just in their in their in their studies, et cetera, et cetera, you know, with a with a dog in the background. You know, that they're that they're kind of real people, normal people. Um, so that's all I'd say about internal comms. I think it it really did break down some barriers. Ironically, Richard, I've just had to turn my camera off there as a sleepy four-year-old uh, wandered into my room for a for a cuddle and wondering <laughs> wondering why I was shout why I wonder why I was <laughs> shouting. So isn't that just an example of the new world that we're in? <laughs> isn't it funny how that is acceptable now where it just wasn't before no matter what country no matter what region you know you know nationality whatever cultural that kind of etiquette was you know everyone was if you were doing a call and you were home you were kind of really cognizant of who was around and for me that's definitely one of the things we need to keep right is you know down you know that needs to stick because you know it's just sensible you know a sensible approach but and just a more relaxed approach to what is a very difficult situation it was only a year ago, maybe 18 months, that we were witnessing the video on BBC of the guy getting interviewed and the son and the wife pulling out. And, and that's because he felt it wasn't appropriate. Uh, and I think that just shows you in such a short period of time that, you know what, that's just the way it is now. I'm, I'm now doing meetings every day with bubs on legs, dogs on legs. It's it's a new world. And it's, uh, do you know what, it's, it's not affecting Output. In fact, I don't, I've never seen output as good, quite frankly, as what we're getting. I'm seeing as more creative. I think people are safer. I think the, the big one I'm hearing because Sydney's horrific to get in and out of work because we live in a harbour. The fact that people don't have to commute to get to work is actually adding to the, the output that we're getting. So, you know, it's, for me, it's just a wonderful thing in many ways through a a pretty dire situation. It brings people closer together. I think, you know, one of the positive outcomes of this is that we are closer as as a team and just working in these conditions. Well, we always use video, so we... We're constantly, you know, operating in kind of a face-to-face environment, but just with kids and uh, family and, you know, or having walk-in meetings or the meetings on the backyard, right? And and just being more people and human, right? So it's different type of connection. I think that people learn different sides of each other, so which is makes it better. Completely agree. Definitely want to talk about tactics. And as I said earlier, I think they're going to be virtual. Two funny stories which lead into this. But one, I was with a, a CRO, talking to a CRO yesterday, Chief Revenue Officer, and he's already planning or they're already planning to get back to face-to-face meetings as soon as possible to get their business rolling again is how he hard- articulated it to me. But I want I want to tie the, the conversation around tactics around budget because it's very, very relevant. And I was on a call with about 50 CEOs. I was invited on. I won't say what it was. And they did a poll. And this is about a month ago. And the poll was, are you going to reduce your budget forecast for the year, right? So 
what your plan was. And I think it was 100% no. The sales are the sales, right? We've got to hit our numbers no matter what. And then the second question was, are you going to reduce budgets? Yes. (laughs) So you kind of got this situation where you you know it's you know 50% of the budget but 100% of the return and in regards to in your own business obviously nothing specific but you know how's the business looking at budgets how are you looking at budgets how's that changing the tactics that you deploy and my second question tied to that is kind of what are, what are the tactics that you're finding really successful or and that could just be from engagement like we talked about I'm not really talking about you know return on investment or or deals or whatever that might be but what you know what what's kind of working julia well you're absolutely right so the sales uh, quotas the sales budget is not going down for us 100% the marketing budget we haven't seen a huge decrease but uh, yes you know we're we're looking at uh, some reduction or operating with uh, uh, smaller budgets but of course the expectations are the same right so what do we do I mean first of all everybody I think you know we all operate now in the digital environment there isn't anything face-to-face happening and Richard, you were mentioning the uh, reliance on face-to-face events. We are also uh, very much of an event-driven marketing, and uh, we ran in the past, you know, 80 to 100 events a year um, across Canada and the U.S. and of different types, whether there were the strategy type of events or boot camps or, you know, all kinds of different events. And so, and of course, we also did webinars um, as, as parallel tactic and now we had to virtualize everything, right? So we uh, introduced now rapid response series, uh, which we were running was two webinars a week. And uh, over, you know, the past uh, so many weeks, of course, we had over 20 um, or 30 webinars, which we had, you know, over a thousand people or or thousands of people attending actually and then one big success that we had was with our virtual discovery series which was sort of a conference it's a day-long event that we put uh, together with our partners and uh, it was uh, it was the same type of experience that you would go into a you know a full day conference which uh, with expositions you know your vendor booths your uh, keynotes workshops and uh put together an event like that. And with uh, we saw 2,000 people registering for it, 50% actually attending, people spending, you know, on average two, two and a half hours in that conference. And so a ton of engagement, right? And I find that uh, when, uh, when it's topical and now people are looking for answers to their most pressing problems and challenges, then we see a lot of that digital and virtual type of execution is really working. It's working for us. Definitely. Richard? The sales targets have remained the same. The marketing budgets, we had we had an initial kind of bit of a period of stress where we thought that they were going to be reduced. So we so we were being very cautious early on in terms of what we were what we were spending. Um, but in actual fact, um, the reduction in, in marketing budgets has really been quite minimal. And I think that's that's largely offset by the fact that we're we're no longer doing physical events, which are, tend to be a lot more expensive anyway. So there's a there's a bit of a there's a bit of a buffer there. In terms of the tactics um, that we're using, you know, early on as a as a communications 
kind of method we were using. We were using kind of email and webinars. Um, and webinars were kind of successful early on. And I think that was because people were absolutely hungry for, for information, but also locked down themselves. So you kind of had a bit more of a kind of a static audience. As we've noticed over the over the past few weeks, um, where things have been a little bit more normalized and people can 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 leave their house and they're probably not so much focused on the crisis, then we found webinars as a very a tough tactic because I think the marketplace is really oversubscribed. I mean, if you consider, you know, there's you know upwards of you know, 50 asset managers in in Europe all trying to reach the same clients. You know, you can pick any one day and there's and there's quite a few um, webinars planned at any any moment in time. So so we've really you know changed to working with our media partners to using kind of third, third party promotion. So using kind of you know solace emails with with media partners, content placement with media partners. We're we're doing a lot of our own email. Um, we still find that that's the best way to to reach a, an audience as long as you've got the right the right content behind that. Um, and we're using we're using social um, in a you know we're using LinkedIn as our as our kind of primary social kind of media outlet. Um, so it's 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 almost forced us to like I said earlier move away from from the physical events and conferences and do more on the digital side. Um, and of course, there's there's more measurement there, so it suits us down to a T um, that we're able to do that. Fraser, tactically, it's been a massive hallelujah. Quite frankly, I mean, for for years we've been trying to push our company in a very different way, and it's been a struggle to try and, and get them to see the value. And and the fair point is we're we're trying to get people to take a leap of faith. But all of a sudden, we've we've obviously gone from physical events to virtual events because we had to and amazingly how easy people our partners have embraced that uh, and to Julia's point you know we've gone from an you know an average attended event of you know about 60 to 70 to a webinar of a thousand overnight it's mind-blowing and and the confidence building it gives not just for our team but for the business as a whole when they see that and they see the reaction that it gets from people is is quite incredible and and I have to say our decision to invest in digital um, when we did Thank the Lord, quite frankly, ahead of this sort of crisis, because when your data's pushing out MQLs every day um, and you're taking that to the business, it's justifying the value that, that we bring as a team. Well, when it's gold, you don't have to convince anyone. I do worry for companies that haven't invested yet and that are trying to get that story over right now. That's going to be a difficult one. From a budget perspective and, and very much aligned, no, nothing's changed at the moment. But, you know, we're very practical here in Oz. We don't know what's coming, quite frankly. We're hanging in there at the moment. Uh, we expect there'll be a, a sort of deep dive in revenue across Australia um, in the last quarter of this calendar year. Um, that, that's the expectation. Uh, how quick the recovery means, well, there's, there's, there's different views on that. Uh, and that will dictate what happens to our budget. But uh, I'm really confident, uh, no matter what happens, that the value that our business has from our team and the need to ensure that we're still communicating with our clients, we're still providing insights to, to prospects and we're right behind the business to help them grow. I'm very hopeful and, and very confident that our own budgets will remain pretty much intact going forward. Completely agree with the you know digitization and 
and having the infrastructure in place, you can kind of see that already. And businesses that do have that or did have that infrastructure have been able to maintain. On the virtual events, one of the things I'm interested in is, and uh, Julia, if it's okay, I'll put the link in the show notes to your full day virtual events because I know I've seen some images of that and everyone listening to the podcast should go and take a look at that. I think it's phenomenal. I think the question I have, do we see that sticking? You know, is that going to stick? Because there's a lot of time and effort to get that up and running. And it would be great, I think, from a business perspective for us all, if it does. Or do we see maybe a a hybrid model? Because uh, I think some of the things that events that I've seen being organized for 2021, let's keep the virtual because we can grow the numbers. But we're also allowed maybe or we'll also plan to have an element of it shift back to face to face. What do you predict the trend to be there? I would say that the hybrid model is probably going to be the the model going forward. People are getting also tired out of uh, just doing everything virtual, right? Uh, similarly, like you've probably seen some articles of how, you know, just doing video communications, right? People are tiring out of that. So I think there is that need, always need for personal connection, but definitely digitizing marketing and, you know, Fraser, I'm completely with you. I think, you know, now it's actually the time to show the value of digital, right? And digitizing everything, whether it's your events or whether it's, you know, just really investing more in, in dig- other digital tactics is uh is the way to go. You know, the way that we've seen too is that I think content and and execution goes, of course, hand in hand together. And what we've seen is that a huge surge in content consumption with the proper content strategy, as we've put out a number of different blogs to support all of our events and topics that we're talking about. Uh, we see people are reading a lot more, going to our website a lot more. So digital really works. But I think in terms of the events going into 2021 or, you know, later in the year of 2021, we'll we'll probably end up with a hybrid model. Fraser, Richard? I'd say hybrid for sure. Um, And for all the reasons that Julia has just given, I would also add, I think it'll be different by industry to, to an extent, but you know, we'll go back to, to physical face-to-face events, but I, I doubt we'll ever go back to large-scale events. I, I think we will we will absolutely go down to boardroom-style events where we are delivering insights, we're, we're introducing prospects to clients that can share experiences, how they're dealing with risks and opportunities. I think clients now are looking for that kind of value and insight, and they're expecting it for, from an our point, our, our advisors. So I'm not so sure mass works for professional services firms and a lot of B2B firms going forward. I'm not sure, but I certainly think those smaller, tailored, bespoke content events are definitely going to be on the table. So breakfast, small lunches, something that they they can do in their day without taking time away is probably the way forward for us, for sure. I think, yeah, no, I think from our perspective, it will definitely be hybrid. One of the challenges that we've seen with, with, with webinars, and so forth, and, and those larger events, is it tends to still be broadcast. And as what kind of Fraser was saying, that's not necessarily what our clients are looking for. What they like about the physical events is that it's a, it's a more of a two-way interaction, even if it's, that's just in the breakout sessions or during, or during the coffee break. So, so we're actually trying in the 
in the autumn to actually do kind of more smaller virtual roundtable events where you've got you know kind of upwards of of ten or so clients where you know we're we're looking to see how easy it is to kind of foster that 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 kind of feeling um, offline. And I can see if sorry online, I can see if that works. We'll certainly do that because we have a lot of our subject matter experts have to travel from the from the states or from the Far East to to speak to our clients. So yeah, there's a there's kind of a cost of cost efficiency on that as well. And you know, and I don't think it's going to be you know a couple of years until people are really traveling the way they did pre-COVID. Um, I think that's one thing that's going to change. So connecting subject matter experts to your clients is is something we just need to bear in mind. Yeah, no, definitely. I think also that that hybrid model, that face-to-face being smaller, but also that face-to-face event can also be much more digital as well in terms of interactive. And I think that's a, a you know a, a tremendous opportunity. I think this is also where you've you've got to know your client. I think this is where the CX component comes real to the fore as well. You know, I will speak from our experience. Our our typical client is a is a CFO. Um, and they might feel that larger events go against the grain of their personalities, as it does for accountants in our business who, who don't naturally take to networking, for example. So larger events don't fit. So why do we keep doing them? Whereas, you know, technical insight-led, this is just changes in tax legislation. Well, actually, that's something that they would they would tune into if we did it in a webinar that they could also tune into at any time of the day to catch up. You know, this this is now where I think marketing teams have to, again, we're going to use this word pivot and be really, really clever about what is the message they're trying to get across and what's the best vertical to get it across and put more thought into actually, should this be digital or should this be face-to-face? And if it is face-to-face, what does that look like? So, uh, you know, this is the opportunity to change everything uh, as far as I'm concerned. It's, I mean, it's, it's not the ideal position, but I also feel it's a position that was coming down the track anyway in maybe five years' time that all of a sudden has landed on our door five years earlier than we expected. And we're here, uh, and now we have to adapt. Acceleration is, is, is the key word, and we touched on it earlier, in that people have been forced into this into this situation. So a lot of our you know, similar kind of client base to, to Fraser in, in terms of, you know, CIOs who are, you know, they're not, they're not kind of natural extroverts, perhaps. But now everyone's almost been forced into this virtual environment and, you know, speaking on a, on, on a video conference and meeting new people on video conferences. It now, you know, that, that seems the normal. And that's what we've got to probably, you know, kind of keep close and just make sure that we don't slip back into the, in, into the old physical events because the, the whole world is more used to this environment now and having you know dogs wandering in kids wandering in and being a little bit more personal so i think it's just making sure that we do do we do we keep on challenging and keep on doing that completely no look i'm conscious of time so i'm gonna kind of just wrap it up a little bit but i'm gonna throw you the curveball and you know in terms of if there was and you know if there was one kind of recommendation you would give to marketing you know i asked you three guys to come on this podcast and do this for a reason um because i believe you know your three individuals are at the top of the game in three different industries in three different regions globally so it's quite rare that we kind of 
Um, and we probably wouldn't have done this, right, if COVID was uh, was here. So it kind of, you know, plays back into that. But what are the what's the one thing that you um, one recommendation you would give to marketing, uh, you know, and your peers? And what's the one thing you hope sticks, you know? So from a you know a change that's happened because of this, and what's the one thing you hope sticks? And that could be from the, from a personal perspective or from the from the business perspective. Shall I go first, right? And I'll give you mine. And that'll give you time, you guys, time to think, right? But I think that from a marketing perspective, the the one kind of lesson, the one recommendation I would give would be, you know, that to really make that where that we've come together as a team with sales, right? And you guys know me, you know I'm passionate about this, is that, you know, marketing can't make an impact without sales, right? It cannot do it on its own. And if marketing can take that responsibility to kind of, you know, let's say put their arms around sales and say, come on, let's really, really now think about the customer. You know, when we kind of get back to normal, let's stick to what we've been doing because it's going to work much better. And the one thing I hope sticks is is what we kind of touched on before, which is from a personal perspective where we can do this kind of thing and the doors can open and the kids can run in and the, and the kind of dogs can, you know, jump up and and that sticks because I think from uh, this is a human crisis. There's no doubt about it. We're, we're we're talking about it from a business perspective, but I think there's there's lots of things that have changed. But I think that for me is a is a really good one. I like that one, Lee. <laughs> I would say, you know, when I I mean, there are so many things that I think we all learned through this. Um, but one thing that's important is um, agility for marketing. You know, we were able to react fast. I think it's hard, uh, but we sort of we had to reorganize uh, how we operated, you know, building tiger teams and just executing rapidly and thinking about how to make marketing uh, really agile. And uh, I think it's super critical. Right. So agility would be my recommendation, finding ways to be agile and uh, finding ways to focus. So when you have focus, you can be more agile. And then I think that greater connection between sales and marketing will come also naturally. And then what would stick, I think, I hope that uh, the empathy, empathy that marketing brings to the table, the now from the empathetic perspective, how we develop content or how we communicate, how we, you know, respect what people want to see and how they want to consume content um, and also internally, you know, that empathy. I hope that stays. Absolutely. Completely agree. Completely agree with that. Fraser, Richard, who wants to go next? Yeah, I think there's some real consistent themes here, but really the, the working relationship with distribution, I think, or, to, or for sales um, for us is, is key. And, and maintaining that, I think you know the the way they the way they need us now more than ever is something that we've got to capitalize on, and we've got to you know continually prove our value with with, with metrics there um, to make sure they understand kind of what what we're doing, um, and just to just to solidify that relationship, and then uh, and then in terms of. Um, the other part of the question, I think it's really, I think it's really accelerating digitalization. So not slipping back to, to where we are. You know, there will be kind of a hybrid of physical and, and, and virtual, 
but but really we know this is the right path and we've known it's the right path for a number of years like like fraser fraser was saying and, and julia's been saying but actually this has given us an opportunity to accelerate things and to test and to learn and to bring that to bring elements of the sales sales organization along with us so i think it's kind of keeping our foot to the floor on that digital acceleration would be would be the thing i really want to keep what I've loved about this period is just boldness, not just from my own team, but from other other companies that I'm seeing. They're just being bold. We're doing things differently. They're taking a chance. And and I guess there's a wee bit of try and fail uh, in that as well. And I love that. you know. And, and I think for many marketing BD teams, we kind of lost that along the way. We've gone safe. Uh, and what a time to be bold uh, and try something different. So uh, yeah, I would just love to see that boldness continue and you know challenge the norm the best things come out when people are given the opportunity to do that um so i'd love to see that continue what would it not change like you the, the human aspect has been just fantastic uh, i have to say and you know I'm, I'm someone that that travels a lot uh, as you know lee and and whether it's around australia and and occasionally uh, globally around the region you know the realization now that maybe i don't need to travel as much and i get to spend a lot more time with my family and my kids is something that I just obviously took for granted and, and, and now I don't uh, because I've spent that much time with them. So if I'm feeling like that, I can imagine many others are feeling like that as well. And finding that work-life balance through this period has been a real gem, quite frankly. And uh, I don't want to lose that uh, going forward. I think it's really important. Completely. One of the things I hoped from this podcast would be that we would get some consistent themes because you know, thinking about marketing, thinking about sales, but we got, again, you know, three different industries, three different regions, all in the same, you know, in the same peer group, but, you know, really, really, really common themes right the way through that. And I think that for me is the is the biggest takeaway and what I hoped we would get. Uh, and I would agree with everything you guys have said. Look, I, I want to wrap it up by saying thanks. Obviously, I'm conscious of uh, the different time zones and Fraser's got to definitely get to bed. I know that. Right, being it being in Sydney, there's going to be really detailed show notes. Right, it's going to be packed full of your details, your job roles, LinkedIn URLs, companies you work for, some of the best work that you that I think you've done. You know, Fraser's got an amazing preference center. We're getting a bit technical here, but and some of you know Richard's stuff and the same. So I'm going to pack the show notes full of that because I think that's the resource that. What I want from these podcasts is if, for it to be a resource, all right? So you can listen, you can watch, but then you can also take away a lot of information and go and use it. But for the audio and for the video, if people want to reach out to you, how's the best contact you? Julia, do you want to go first? What's the best route? Yeah, LinkedIn is the best route for sure. Just send me a, a request or an, a message. Cool. Fraser? Yeah, same, same LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I tend to lose Twitter. Um, from my, my football commentary, um, so Fraser McNaughton. So feel feel free to to watch if you want to learn more about Glasgow Rangers. But LinkedIn is generally the easiest way to go. And, and for me, it would be oh, a bit more old school, a bit more email is fine for me. We'll put it in there. But guys, really appreciate it. Um, you know, thanks for taking the time. We'll make sure the show notes get distributed as soon as possible. But really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks everyone. You can find all of this information and more on blueprintx.com, where you can find high quality show notes and other great stuff. 
And you can also sign up for my weekly update on interesting things I have found in sales and marketing. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, 